All right, tragic IT problems there. You're a nerd. Why don't you know the answer? <sighs> Always away, isn't it? <laughs> What's um, worse is now at work. Well, he, we've he gone did, into He defense. did know the official IT answer of Google it. Google but, it. Ah. Did you turn it off and on again? <laughs> oh, I hate saying that. Fuck it. Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to episode 101 of the Player 2 Pixelcast. My name is Matt Houston and I am hosting this evening, today, whenever you're listening to it, uh, festivities and we're talking about all things Xbox from their recent showing. Of course, that would be very boring if it was just me and slightly narcissistic. So I brought along two fine fellows to join me in this Xbox disposition. First up, we have a man that's been around Player 2. Uh, he's he's almost from the start. Like, I feel like it's about five years now, Sean, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're going into my fifth year. Yeah, nice. I, I think September, around September marks five years for me. It's, it's part of the furniture at this point, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was on the couch at your place on Saturday night. Yeah, and we have footage of that. Snoring. Footage of me snoring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Yes. Uh, two, and also, two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. It was it was a little bit longer than that, but you know, I only just caught the tail end on video. Also joining us is someone who's you know relatively fresh to the Pixelcast. I think this is your third episode, is it, Nick? I believe so. Yeah, three, three. Well, it's good to have you here with us tonight uh, because we're going to be talking about Xbox. Like I said, they had their recent developer direct, which is a new format for the team at Xbox and Bethesda. And so we thought we'd dive into that. But first, as is our norm, we're going to talk about the games we have been playing. First up, Sean, I issued you with yet another bloody anime game. (laughs) Is it, unlike all the rest of them, actually good? Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> look, it it has its flaws, but this is the I think this is maybe only the second of the anime games that you've given to me where I haven't wanted to stab my eyes out while playing. <laughs> um, the first one being Scarlet Nexus, which came out of nowhere and was actually really good. Um, this but is, yeah, this one, um, One Piece Odyssey, obviously based on the One Piece franchise. It's Rather than trying to conform the story into a video game, they've gone, right, okay, what are we going to do here? They, they, I suppose uh, the easiest way to put it is in the manga and the anime, they, they're often split up. You know, you'll have one guy fighting in one section, another one fighting in another. Here they decided, right, we want to make this a turn-based, J, very much JRPG style. Um, but that necessitates having everybody together and rotating them in and out because they use the whole rock, paper, scissors sort of method of, you know, one stronger than the other, that sort of stuff. Um, so to do that, to, to get around that and, um, you know, because they're retreading ground that's already been, been done in the manga and the anime, they've, um, they put a nice little quirk in there where it's, you know, because they're going through their memories and they're, they've basically said, oh, look, memories are fuzzy, so they don't quite happen the way, they, they may not be exactly how you remember them, it might not be the same, which basically then gave them carte blanche to just 
make the changes and make the tweaks to do what they to the story to you know fit with the gameplay rather than trying to have them competing against one another yep. i think i've just took the longest way to say that possible um but i'm it's still recovering we need to fill time it's all good uh, <laughs> hey look i'm still recovering from the weekend so my mind isn't quite back to 100 percent yet um so yeah like i was i was actually quite happy with that rather than you know as you've seen as we've seen with some of these games where they just try and they'll just create like a random brand new protagonist and try to insert them into the events that have occurred and stuff like that some games it does work other games it really doesn't um so yeah um it was it was really really well done in how they set it up to actually make it to give it a believable storyline you know to go with the manga and um yeah i had i had a lot of fun with it like it it took me took me about 30 hours which is i think to a complete good size it. without getting it's, it's a good like size. obscene yeah, I yeah. like I I ended up I skipped a lot of the side content so there is more stuff that could be done and from what I've read since I've um since I've you know had the review published it's basically designed so you should be doing the side content as you encounter it mm-hmm. because it doesn't level up with you so if you go back to it later like uh, like I did too yeah, I, you're just one-shotting, yeah. you know, enemies that you encounter and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, but it was... Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. There was a very weird aspect um, where they've made... Uh, for those of you that don't know, there's, there's two females in the uh, Straw Hat crew. Um, and as you some t- tend to get with anime, they, they like to accentuate certain portions... Um, and yeah, they, they kind of took it to a new level. Um, kind of looking like in, inflatable balloons. They never drown is what I, is what I will say. Um, and yeah, like for some reasons, Nami's was just, it was just, there was just this constant animation where I think that either they mistimed her breathing animation or something. Cause there was just a constant up and down, up and down. Really weird. <laughs> yeah. Really that- weird and kind of off-putting. Yep. <laughs> But you learn to ignore it, right? So, right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, very odd. Uh, what I met mm. in your review, sorry, you talked about the open world being slightly problematic. Yeah, there's like they've there's two aspects to that. Um, so early uh, early on in the game, in in the Alabaster arc, you're actually just there's a lot of backtracking, and it is prevalent through a chunk of the game, but it's a lot more. It's a lot more. Um, it occurs more heavily in the first memory that you go to. So in those early stages where you're just trying to sort of get into the game and, and really try to get in to enjoy it. And it, it can be as simple as they're like, oh, you need this seashell to make this recipe to beat this uh, beat this enemy. And then rather than just, you know, maybe doing a cutscene where they've gone back or, you know, shows them going back, getting what they need and coming back you've literally got to run the whole way back, which might take you five, 10 minutes. And they're stopping you along the way to remind you of exactly where you're going and why you need to go mm. there. Um, you know, obviously in the early part of the game, there is no fast travel at all. But then when you do get the fast travel unlocked, it will randomly just be unavailable. Um, 
you know, you might have to go to the other side of the other side of the map, and there's a fast travel point right next to it. But because it wants to show you a five second cutscene with some exposition on the way there, you can't fast travel at all. So you got to run the whole way there just for that five seconds there. Um, That's yeah, not great. Yeah, but look, the the one thing that I was really disappointed about no English dub. Like, yeah. that okay, was I'm just, a subs, like, not dubs kind of guy. So, I, I, I've, I always prefer the dubs. Like, yeah. I can, I have watched some stuff subbed, but just often when I'm, when I've got anime, I don't just sit down and watch that. I'm doing something else, whether it be playing on the Switch or I'm, you know, doing a university re- research or stuff like that you know things where so yeah. i've got something on in the background and that's where i like to have you know obviously if it's a subtitled I, i'm just stuck watching that one screen um so yeah for me much preferred doves but it, it is a personal choice between everyone and you know for for a lot of people it won't won't be a problem yeah. but my argument would be that one piece is probably one of the manga that's that's it, it's as well known as Dragon Ball, I would say, in the Western world. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, when that came out, you had the option for either. Yeah. Um. So you know. I mean, some, even Yakuza and that these days have a has an English dub. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh. And I mean the 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 anime itself, they've they're up to like episode nine hundred, I think, with the English dub. So there's definitely you know it's it's been going for a while. There's definitely. There's a lot of episodes. It is. <laughs> it is. Ridiculous. I've, I've actually, I've, I've started reading the chapters of the manga again since, since I got there and I've, I've jumped up from like 600 and something to 800 and something and I'm still like 200 chapters behind where it's currently at. Like it's, it's insane. It's phenomenal the amount of time this, this, ha- this franchise has been, has yeah. been going on. That's crazy. All right then. Well, uh, we go from one questionable booby game to another questionable booby game. Uh, Nick, hi, <laughs> hi. You've been playing questionable booby game. I have. I have been playing uh, what I think is one of Vanillaware's best games, but also I can't play this game with my stepkids. Um, <laughs> I'm playing Dragon's Crown Pro. Uh, I'm not too sure what makes it pro. If I'm being completely honest. Uh, I had the original Dragon's Crown on PlayStation 3. I think I reviewed it for my very old uh, website. Mm. And then I was just kind of building up this digital backlog of games that I bought on sale. And I was like, oh, you know, it's on the... like That way I can have it on the PS5 and I don't have to get off my butt to start it up. And I still have the disc version. Um, So, yeah, I bought Dragon's Crown and I've introduced the fiancé to it. And I think (laughs) she has more fun pointing out the lewdness and giggling at how absurd it is um, than I do. Like, even your character animations, you when you block, your boobs jiggle a little bit or you stick your bum out if you've got a big bum or, or anything like that. But the bits where my fiancé spat her drink out was when you go to the shop and it's like the narrator is saying, you know, and they've got this really good kind of American doing a British sort of accent where it's like, you step into Morgan's magic shop and the witch greets you. And you are actually two feet lower than she is, staring up at her immense breasts as they bob around, and she's she's wearing a strap across them that's too tight, so everything is just, it's just insane. But it really scratches that beat 'em up itch that I have, so I kind of overlook 
everything that's kind of weird or questionable. Um, and I just, yeah, I just really love, I still revisit Golden Axe, but right now I'm just going through this backlog and I just love Dragon's Crown for its, uh, yeah, it's beam up action and it's kind of RPG light, I'd yeah. say, elements. I remember playing it when it, yeah, I think it hit PS Plus at some point or something when I played it. And I think I played it on the Vita, actually. I think it had a Vita version uh, even way back when. And yeah, like there's no escaping that, kind of in your faceness of it but at yes. the same time it's almost to the point where I think of it you know like Mortal Kombat where the gore is that far over the top it's not gore anymore it just becomes yeah. kind of theatre I think it's almost the same with this kind of you know endowments of the of the, the female characters it's kind of into parody almost uh, yeah it's it's odd it's, it's very odd I was trying to tell the fiance this. There's something uh, that I will never understand, not being Japanese, but in Japanese mm-hmm. culture, especially in the games, it's almost like some sexual things are seen as being ridiculous and therefore funny. Yeah, and it's hard to kind of explain it. As such as like, you just need to watch the anime or, or play a lot of very Japanese video games, and yeah, it kind of it's a Tarantino esque kind of application of sexuality. It's not necessarily there to like titillate or arouse sometimes it's there because oh this character is you know this type of person and yeah. they think this is funny and they they think that is funny i'm actually um about to start playing kamizawa way of the thief mm. and i remembered playing mystical ninja gaimon on the super nintendo like 30 years ago and there's a character in the game who is a doctor and he wears a handkerchief tied under his nose and i thought why do i always see that in a lot of japanese games it's actually a sign of someone who is an underwear thief who will like steal women's underwear from yeah. the back of someone's clothesline and and when i was a little kid i'm playing this little beat-em-up game with a character wearing like a panty thief mask and yeah. i just i didn't know that and i thought it was hilarious but i was trying to say to my partner it's meant to be laughable you're meant to laugh yeah. at him you're not meant to you know aspirate or like you know Hold him up to high standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the gameplay itself, pretty solid from what I remember. It was a really good beat em up. I mean, we've had a few lately that have been quite good. Ninja Turtles and Streets of Rage come to mind. Mm. Um, but it was kind of the only one for a very long time, it feels like. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a swerve when it came out because it's not really that type of vanilla way game that you were expecting. Uh, I'd love them to return to that universe and make another one. Um, yeah, the gameplay is really good. Um, your overworld where you're traveling around and just like going through the city to get quests and that is very, very basic. Um, you have the chance to get better loot on missions. I never got to end game. The only th- gripe that I have with it right now, and I'm only well, about eight hours in, is that it's too easy. Yeah. Even if you do get knocked down, you have multiple health items or... Uh, extra lives it, it it is a little too easy and i'm not too sure if it really ramps up or it, it, and, and also going back to what makes it feel like an rpg light it kind of lets you pick whatever abilities you want like multiple ones anyway to your level so you can be level three and you can unlock three or four different spells it doesn't matter which one you pick and that kind of mm. like i don't want it to tell me what to do but at the same time when there's no wrong answer it feels a bit silly there's no right answer then yeah mm, exactly yeah interesting um so you reckon it's worth having a go though i think pick it up if it's on sale but i really 
if you told me right now one beat em up above all else it's streets of rage 4 for yeah. me it no, just that's, that's keeps fair. giving um but if you've played everything and you're looking for something new definitely check out dragon's crown because it's always going on sale yep <clears throat> a couple of bucks too on the playstation regularly i think on the dj yeah Awesome. All right, then. Well, I've been playing um, Age of Empires 2. Well, that's not a shock. I've been playing Age of Empires 2 since like 1997 or 8, whenever it came out. <laughs> but now I'm playing it on Xbox, which is new, and I'm playing it with a controller. Uh, and you know what? I never thought I'd say this, but they made it work. I don't know how, what black magic, which goat they had to sacrifice to the Elder Gods but they made it work and they've done some incredibly smart things with Age of Empires to make it work on a console. Um, so what they've done essentially is they've automated a lot of the uh, villager side of things. So if you ever played Age of Empires, you'll know you've got your villagers, they've got to go off and either get food, uh, they've got to get gold, stone or lumber. So they're the four main resources. Uh, what you can do now is there's a radial menu where you can pick how you want your villagers distributed so there's an early game uh, option which is example is focused on food and wood uh, there's a option if you want to build castles and walls so it, it has a higher focus on stone you know and all these there's actually nine of these presets that you can pick from that are, are based around you know good options for any point in the game and by selecting those your vig villagers will automatically distribute to that sort of setting so if you've got all your villagers on food but you realize oh i need some gold so you set a different setting they'll automatically stop getting food and they'll head over and do gold and and the other things will remain going but just in a minimal sort of fashion so uh you know they're, they're percentage based these presets and it absolutely makes life so much easier in the micromanagement side of things with a mouse it's very easy to click a villager point it to a job and say here do this with a controller it's not so they've wisely automated this micromanagement side of of the game which makes especially the base building side of things much easier and much more friendly to a to a console what they've also done is created a whole lot of uh the quick uh you know the quick shortcuts that used to be on your keyboard you'd have you press control and and there'd be one that'd select all military units and there'd be one that'd select your villages and all those sort of things they're all just assigned to the d-pad now so you can select all your military units just by pressing up on the d-pad you've got all your military units the only problem there is it picks the scouts as well and they're fucking useless when it comes to a fight so but otherwise it grabs all your military units so if you're doing a big um you know base rush you're ready to go you can also set up the groups they're all done with uh radial triggers so it's all pretty easy to use for anyone that's uh used uh anyone that's played a console game really radial menus seem to be the the easiest way to you know kind of implement uh complex kind of group actions and and they've done it really well here and uh, finally, what they've done is they've added a queue option to the, the villagers as well and, and to everyone. So you can queue up buildings. So for example, you're building farms and you need to build like more than one. You don't have to wait for the villager to finish. You can queue a whole bunch up. You just hold your left trigger, click where you want all the different farms. The, uh, the, the footprint of that farm will be there. And as the villager finishes one farm, he moves on to the next one and it's all automatic. It's all done for you. So... Very, very smart. Um, also, you know, your scouts, you can select multiple points on the map for it to go to automatically and clear up the map. All these very smart inclusions to make, uh, you know, less micromanagement when it comes to a game that is 
quite heavy on micromanagement. Um, and and frankly, it was fun. They've 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 redesigned the hate, the hard you know the UI to make everything very easy to see on a big screen television. So there's not small little menus anymore. There's big giant text across the top of the screen with with your your resources and all that information that you need to play an RTS game. Uh, and it's all very uh, very easy to to grasp just by looking at it. And um, I I didn't I I just I still never thought it'd be possible but they have done it they've they've made it and and some of these improvements i'd actually like to see i'd like that auto villager management to come to the pc version you know what i mean like managing villagers it's a boring task like you know it's a necessary evil but i really don't want to be spending my time on that i'd rather be you know working at my fortifications or 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 building my army so if that were to come to pc it'd be awesome because it's honestly an improvement there are some points when the key, that when you know you just wish you had a keyboard and mouse. Unfortunately, like especially in some of the later game battles where you're trying to manage multiple groups at a time, like that becomes a little bit fiddly because you've got to trigger into your radial menu, then spin around and pick instead of just pressing you know one two three four five on your keyboard to pick all your different groups. Uh, so that gets a little bit fiddly. I mean, in the scheme of things, that's pretty minor. Um, it's it's something I think anyone playing it will recognize as a fact that that's just beyond what a controller can do efficiently. Um, but otherwise, I just have to hand it to the developers. I have to I have to hand it to Microsoft. They've done the impossible. I didn't, didn't think it could ever happen. And the fact that, frankly, in my mind, the best RTS game of all time can be experienced by a whole group of people that never, ever got to play it, that you know, because there's there's a lot of people out there that have only ever played consoles. They've never never had yep. a PC that could yeah to play a game like that, and now they can, and it's on Game Pass. So like, just get in there and have a crack, um, because it really is just the sort of game that you can lose just hours to. And and how they've done it, it doesn't look old. Like it holds up. It's still pixelated. It's it's an old game. There's no doubting. It's it's 2D pixels on a map, but it holds up. It's still it still looks great, honestly. I think the artwork holds up so well and, and the slight upscaling they've done to 4K resolution has really added to it. Uh, and really, there's no excuse now. You've just got to give it a try. It's on PC Game Pass already, the PC version. Now it's it's coming to Xbox Game Pass. It'll be on there by the time uh, this podcast comes out. And frankly, I I just want to applaud them. It's, it's, it's so good to see this much love given to an old game um, and made it available for a whole new generation, a whole new audience to be able to play it. It, it really feels like the ideals, the ideal um, kind of re-release of a game. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone that's that's taken an old game. It's not a remake. It's not a ground-up remake. They've taken the old game and made it better for the new consoles. I can't think of an, an example that's done it better than this. And and it's a really really good. Um, a really, really good edition of Age of Empires 2, which everyone should play. It's, there's a reason it's considered so highly amongst so many people. You've um, you've touched on a few things that I want to kind of just probe at. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not really seeing games with this kind of... It's, it's like they've gone and they've, they've played it and they've looked at it and they've realised what could use a tweak or what needs fixing. Mm-hmm. Um but it wasn't that long ago that we were getting these weird bastardized versions of games, which, and like, 
I'm just going to say it, but I absolutely loved it. Was Civilization Revolution on the Xbox yep, 360 and PS3? That was fantastic too. That was a that was a really good stripped down version of Civ. 100. Yeah. percent And I'd like to see more games like that. But also, I would like to see. We don't need a full remake, as you're saying. We do just need these these re-releases to work because yep. I've played through the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance re-release yep. and it's literally just been slapped in a widescreen and chucked onto the xbox <laughs> series x yeah and and the broken end game is still there and the busted aiming is still there like you're swinging in and hitting doorways instead of enemies and yep. i just thought if you played this yeah yeah it would work so much well and you know with rts ports and strategy ports and rpg ports from pc like if you wanted to play neverwinter nights the first thing you're doing is actually going to reddit and asking how well it works on console to get yep. an honest response yeah absolutely. and it's Hearing what you're saying about Age of Empires 2 is really making me go, okay, my cousin had a PC back in the day and he would play Age of Empires 2 and Might and Magic 3, and yep. that was it. He's He doesn't have the money to keep chasing PC builds these days because it's insane. Yeah, yeah. He can't just buy, you know, an HP from Harvey Norman to be done. He's going to be able to play this game. Absolutely. And that's and that's what's cool about it. And and the, the fact that they've treated it with such reverence, you know, Microsoft have looked at this and realized that this this is a game that deserves to be treated well. It's a game that if you're going to fiddle with it, you've got to get it right. Um, because it could be very easily the point where they play with things and break things. Um, but they didn't. They, they've taken their time with this. And what it means is I, I think they've used it as a bit of an experiment uh, because they've already announced Age 4 as coming to the Xbox at some point. So I think this was the, the starting point and then they've used this as the blueprint to bring other age games to the console. I mean, I'd love to see all of them make it eventually. I think it'd be fantastic because they've all got their strengths and they've all got their weaknesses. I think Age of the Empires 2 is regarded the most fondly, um, but I absolutely adored 3. I probably played more of 3 than I did of 2. Uh, and, and 4 is still very good as well. So I'd, I'd really like to see them all make it across. Um, and if this is how they're going to do it, then then I'm all for it. It's not just, you know, back in the days when they tried to bring Command and Conquer to the PlayStation and it was just abysmal. You know, you, you wanted to hoik that controller out the window because you just didn't have the fine motor skills and the, and the precision aiming you needed to select your tanks and send them off on a rush. So, um, it, it, yeah, I can't say enough for the developers and, and the job they've done here. It is really fantastic to see. Just going to say too, I was just looking up if anyone else is doing something similar and the new Settlers game is also coming to consoles. Which should be uh, interesting. That's, that's a little yes. bit slower paced, so that'll probably mm. be easier to do. So, well... I can't say for sure on the new one, but the old Settlers games were a bit of a slower-paced sort of thing. So I could yeah. never understand why Might and Magic never made it. Like, that's turn-based. That, that, that should be able to make it. Like, you know, turn-based games can translate fairly easily, as we've seen with Civ and things like that. But, yeah. Real-time is a bit harder, I think. <clears throat> All right, then. We're going to have a break. I'm going to go and get a drink because uh, I've talked a lot in the last like 48 hours and it's it, like we're up to 72 hours now and, and I need some lubrication of the vocal cords. But in the meantime, Tim's going to find some music and then we'll be back to talk about all things Xbox.
All right, folks, we are back and we're ready to talk all things Xbox and Bethesda. They kicked things off last week with a brand new show called the Developer Direct. They even included the underscore in the name, which is a bit wanky, but you know, marketing things uh, tend to be along those lines anyway. Uh, and it was a new format for Xbox. They haven't done it like this before. Uh, and we might just start there. What did you guys think about how they presented their show this time around? It's it's certainly less pomp than we're used to with Xbox. You want to go first, Dick? Or um, I I I feel that it is just we're more and more getting away from people doing massive convention reveals and everyone doing this kind of small showcases as they happen. There's something about the world right now. People don't want to wait for certain things. Like, I don't, I don't know if everyone else has seen, but um, I mean, I'm a massive heavy metal guy. Yeah. Metal bands now are just releasing songs as they're ready, that they're very yeah. much moving away from doing entire albums. And it kind of feels like everything is going to be on that on demand style. Uh, I'm in favor of it. That being said, I wasn't particularly blown away by a lot of things, mm-hmm. but that might just be me. Okay. Sean, what did you feel about the format? Like, I didn't mind the format um you know unlike with your traditional reveal things where they've got the big audiences you know and they have to do the whole pause for applause and you know and you get that one dickhead who always screams out Woo! way yeah. too loud at the wrong moments <laughs> um doing it this way where they've just essentially stitched together a bunch of video clips but you know has developers from the from the studios there being the ones introducing the games and showing off everything from the games like to me it just flowed better i was more interested in it and yeah no woo yeah no woo dickheads yeah. absolutely all over the woo dickheads uh <laughs> you guys watched the game awards didn't you yeah <laughs> <laughs> and here's jeff woo and, <laughs> and here's the gillette man woo yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually don't mind the format. I I would like more um, of a candid conversation with the developers, but that's I think that's a me thing. I, I like sitting there, and, and Jeff Keighley actually does this really well. We're taking the piss out of him a bit, but his um, interviews with developers are always quite good in, in that he can sit there and talk to them and get information out of them in a way that, you know, some of these developers, they're not trained media professionals, so it's hard for them to sit in front of a camera and talk, and I, I quite like that kind of format where a good interviewer can uh, sit down and chat with them. So the, the kind of, I guess, forced presentational aspects of this this one it was good, don't get me wrong, but I, I think I would have liked a more informal uh, version of it a, a, a little bit more if we, if you had a good interviewer prepared to do it. Um, but that being said, I, I do I do think it's a smart move from Xbox to get out early. Like they, were, they copped a lot of flack uh, for not being at the Game Awards uh, and not showing anything, especially after last year. And we all know, I'm not going to retread old ground, but we all know that they didn't have a good year last year. COVID delays, delays hit them very hard last year. And unfortunately, they were left with not much. I think Pentiment and As Dusk Falls were the only Xbox Studios games that came out. And they're both kind of, you, you consider on the indie side of things, the, the niche side of things, they're both very good games, don't get me wrong, but they were not big AAA God of War. They were little uh, tasters for, for a niche crowd. Um so I think they had to get out in front early, and I think that's what they've done pretty well here. These are games that were known quantities. Uh, we know they were coming, so they thought, 
uh, we'll give people what they want, which is release dates and and you know a deeper look at, at some of these titles. So we'll, we'll go under the individual titles. Uh, we'll start with the obvious easy one, I guess, first, and that's Minecraft Legends. Um, how do we feel? I mean, I'm not a Minecraft guy, but I don't, I don't mind the look of this. Like, it's adding some some cool little strategy elements. And, and I know my kids are, well, especially my youngest, are batshit still for Minecraft, and he has been for years. So it might be a game I can play with him. What do you guys reckon? Nick? Um, I... I feel that I'm just going to jump in because it's going to be part of Game Pass or whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I, I looked at this kind of announcement and I I like that they're trying to encourage people to realize that there's a, a law behind Minecraft, Minecraft that they're trying to expand. Uh, I do enjoy that aspect of it. But that being said, surely people are wanting, I don't know, even just like for Minecraft to have a little side thing, like a more Roblox kind of build your own games play tag play laser tag in minecraft we haven't really seen the full potential of the base game realized in my opinion yeah um but i'm certain that we're going to get another kind of side game every couple of years and i'll be damned if minecraft dungeons in terms of not not the end game the grindy randomness of the end game but the actual campaign of minecraft dungeons was one of the most fun action rpg games i've played in recent years so i'm cautiously optimistic to summarize yeah i i think yeah it's it's on the right path anyway i think what microsoft have done here in farming out minecraft as a license to other studios instead of just relying on Mojang to do everything. So Mojang gets to play around with the, the base game and do whatever the black magic they're doing with that, with the RTX updates and all that sort of stuff, uh, and and let someone else play in that world. And it's an interesting result. Sean, do you see yourself uh, diving into some, some legends? I know you play co-op with the kids quite often. Yeah, so. yeah I think um, that's that's where I, I would jump into it. Um, like uh, I'm interested, I'm intrigued. I'm I'm willing to give it a crack and see what happens. Um, like I can't remember off the top of my head if they're saying it's just PvP or is there no PvE no there's, as well? there's PvE. There's a full campaign. There's also a oh, co-op campaign yep. as well. So <clears throat> yeah, well in that case, look, especially because of the fact that it'll come to Game Pass. Yeah, I'll jump on it and play it with the uh, with my little one and whatever the one, one of my children that still actually loves me and wants to play video games with me um not too he's cool also, for dad yet he's also been bugging me to do another minecraft dungeons video and i'm no, like no 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 one and done one and done, <laughs> one and done. <laughs> well there you go um yeah this is this will this will keep her very happy yeah. you know especially sitting down and getting to play that um yeah very interesting concepts um whether the balance is there mm, will be the, the main thing. Um, it's always a worry. From that video, it felt to me, as someone that's played a fair bit of strategy stuff, that it was very heavily in favor of the defender. Um, but that's also hard to say from a, from a video. Mm. But just looking at the gameplay and the way they were talking about things, I felt like the defenders had an, a significant advantage, whereas uh, you know, you really want that balance to be about 50, 50. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out with the balance. Yeah. Like I'm willing to give it a go. Mm. Um, one thing, one thing I do want to say is like, um, uh, as Nick was saying about getting these, these spin-off games and whatever, I'm actually quite happy that they, like, I'm, I'm happy for, for them to do that rather than going, Oh, okay. We've now got Minecraft two and Minecraft mm. three. 
and you know releasing essentially the same game over and over just with extra updates or whatever you know they they yeah they're continuously updating the original and it's like okay so anything different we're just going to do that over here you still got your minecraft that you know and love yeah and we can add to that and expand on that world and as nick said there's still stuff that we'll probably find that can be done within that base game world but everything else it's like oh you want to play around and see what you can come up with in this sort of you know genre in the minecraft world yep you guys do that you know it, it it's rather than just going okay we're making the exact same game but it's called minecraft 2 and it's got you know extra bees so yeah no i, I think it's wise i think the base game can be tweaked forever so why make a sequel yeah well um kids are kind of discovering and i never thought they would the telltale minecraft game with yeah. Pat and Oswald doing the voice acting, my stepdaughter was just, hey, Nick, did you know that this is a thing? And I can't remember who she said, but she's like, it's voiced by the guy that did this and like whatever kids movie he did. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I knew about that. I played it when it came out. She's like, do you have it? I'm like, yeah, somewhere around here. And she was so pumped for it. Um, yeah. But that's just coming from, I don't know, I guess she's just searching Minecraft videos on YouTube and just watching because kids are seeing it now as a, a much bigger thing than the way we see it. Like I see Minecraft as a game and that's fantastic. But when it first came out and I was an alpha backer, it felt like someone just made MS Paint 3D. Like I was just playing with colored blocks at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids are using it for storytelling. Kids are using it to make little movies or, you know, expand upon certain uh, TV shows. They're just doing it within Minecraft. So, I, yeah, I see that they're trying to have Minecraft grow up as maybe a lot of their key demographic grows up too. Yeah, I um, think so. And I'm all for experimentation with any franchise. That's how we got Mario Kart. That's how we got Mario Party. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the fact that it's just such a sandbox and they've never strayed from that. Like, they've just let it be its own thing. Uh, you know, they've, they've fixed technical sides of things. They've improved, uh, you know, graphics. They've improved the controls. They've improved all those sort of things. But they've left the sandbox much the same for the entirety of its life, which has let players... Uh, you know, take these tools that have been given to them and just do just wondrous things. Like some of those Minecraft builds, they're just just amazing. And now we've got other developers coming in and making whole games out of those tools, uh, like Minecraft Dungeons and now Minecraft Legends. And it is uh, it's it's wonderful to see. I think and I think uh, Minecraft cops a lot of stick from core gamers. I want to say you know as far as shitty labels go uh but you know it, it's an imagination uh dump for kids it's an imagination dump for people that enjoy it yeah, that, that that are that way inclined now, i'm not i'm useless i have no artistic bones in my body so i'm no good but i watch people that do and it just amazes me every time even um not to go on too much about minecraft but uh, even as my day job, I'm a support worker, and I've also been identified as an adult on the autism spectrum. When I see kids just get something in Minecraft Education Edition, yep. that is... We had Carmen San Diego growing up, and you didn't realize you were learning geography, but that was it. This is teaching kids coding. This is teaching kids about global warming and like environmentalism and all sorts of other things. Even there's one where you've got a finite amount of electricity to power a city or something like that. Like yep. There's so much that they're learning through a video game or the shell of a video game with a brain behind it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah, it's very hard for me to bag Minecraft, even though it's not a game that's necessarily for me. 
All right, yeah. we might move on to the next one. Was the uh, flashy racy game, which was probably uh, the only uh, slight disappointment in in my eyes, um, because I like Forza. I've always liked Forza. I like a good racing game. Uh, I know they're not for everyone, especially these sim ones. Forza Horizon is the everyone Forza game, and Forza Motorsport is for the people that like you know tight track racing and, and to play with manifolds and, and, your, and your suspension and all that sort of jazz. Uh, and they've always been very good. But the fact that, you know, they were, Microsoft were very bullish last year about this coming out in the first half of the year and then them going, no release date. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's happening again. Because it looks really pretty. <laughs> like, it, it, mm. I mean, it's hard to get away from the... PR speak, but yeah, they're doing a lot with tech here that is very cool. John? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely looks pretty. Like, I mean, I I can play a little bit of the racist stuff. Like, I'm more your need for speed type of guy. So, yeah. to me, like, it just wasn't, it was blah for yeah. me. Like, yeah, cool. Looks pretty, you know appreciate what they're trying to do but i'm definitely not the market Mm. not the target demographic for that game i think what forza uh, does better than gt2 is it it does have a fairly good um customizable interface which means anyone can play it if they would like like yes it's on the sim side of things but you can turn a lot of that off if you just wanted to fang a bugatti around a track you can do that uh in forza without you know kind of having to tackle all the the serious sim side of things i tend to play it about the middle of things i like a little bit of sim i still drive an automatic on it uh you know but i like to play with you know fuel if i'm doing a long race and things like that Uh, so it's kind of a middle of the road and allows me to do that but also if you're the hardcore guy with the the full rig uh set up and the steering wheel you can feel your boots there too so i think it's doing well um, Nick, what do you think about uh, Forza? Are you along the lines of Sean, or do you do you like to dive into these sort of games every now and then? Um, I'm more racing games have to be kind of fun or uh, just have that kind of emphasis on it. So I would be more into Forza Horizon. Yeah. Um, that being said, I just got bored of that one really quickly. Mm. Um, and I kind of came in as a a bit of a cynic as well with uh, Forza Horizon. We're up to five, aren't we, in, yep. in Mexico? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but um, I don't hear people really talking about it now. Um, that being said, these these uh, the really impressive sims aren't going anywhere and you've always got to have one. And they're really, it's all, there's always a war now between Gran Turismo and, and uh, Forza Motorsport. I think it looks good. Um I do know people that are into the full sim rigs that are so excited for this. These are people that will tell me when they crank up the humidity in project cars or all the, the, those kind of nonsense settings that I'm just like, why would you ever want mm. to? But I, I get it because if you were to make a Nick version of that, it would be a WWE game that says, what decade do you want to play in? And here's yeah. a campaign for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. I am a geek for re- for wrestling, not so much the racing uh, game thing. So it's cool that they've definitely, they've revealed this um, and that it's looking as good as it looks. And I, I don't know, I'm interested to see it on a maxed out PC, 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think the tech's amazing. And what's cool about the tech is, uh, especially now, 
that Turn 10 and Playground are both uh, under the Microsoft umbrella is that tech can be used elsewhere, not just in racing games. So one would assume that Playground developed uh, Fable, which we probably will hear about at a, around the E3 time, probably not at the E3, but you know, at the, the Xbox show at that time, uh, is using this tech. And like the thought of something that powerful powering a fantasy world is is kind of mm. cool right like i want to see what they can do with that in in a, a fantastical universe and not just recreating things i can see on television um so the, the tech side of things is very exciting and and you know if you're like me and you enjoy these games i think it's going to be a hit I, I i have no doubt actually that it's going to be very good as long as they avoid the um the the kind of microtransaction shit that gran turismo kind of carried on with a bit in the last one I think they'll be fine. <clears throat> yeah, they had to nerf the kind of grinding or something that was necessary yeah. to purchase things. It it was very reliant on you spending extra money to get like loot box sort of shit and or roulette wheel spins, which is you yeah know, just as bad. Um, so yeah, it it wasn't great there. And it, the worst part of that was, um, and we're slightly tangent is the review. Uh, we got the review before it came out and none of that was in there. And yes, added it that happened with um, yeah. Crash Team Racing as well. Yeah, and it's super, super uh, dodgy kind of behavior that is. I, yeah, like I played the game and thought it was really good and Jen, who reviewed it for us, thought it was really good but we didn't have to tackle any of that stuff because we could just progress the game without it. So yeah, it was very, very underhanded, I would say, in, in how yeah. they approached that. All right, next one is the surprise one, which kind of come out of nowhere from Tango Gameworks of all places. Like, this is a mob that's known for scaring the piss out of everyone and and being creepy as hell. And they bring out a rhythm action game that's more colourful than an episode of Looney Tunes. Nick, you played it for us. What do you reckon about Hi-Fi Rush? I love it. I love everything about it. There is, I do not have one bad thing to say except for I don't have enough time for it. Um... I got told some words of wisdom by someone I really look up to. I got told, stop saying charm. I use the word charm about games a lot. Lucy O'Brien from IGN said, stop saying charm. You say it a lot. And it stuck with me. But. It's charming as hell. It's charming as hell. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, you, you see this. Normally I sit in my kind of cynical shell and I'm playing a game and I'm like, okay, this is cool. I can respect that. This is a good decision. When the characters, their animations are so good. When uh, your main character, Chai, he makes contact with that little robot cat. Yeah. And then they both have this shocked reaction. I laughed and I genuinely like this game elicits reactions from me. Um, it's not just that I'm a rhythm gamer. I think this is a game that anyone could get into. And when I played it, I tested, okay, how much do I need to be on time? My experience wasn't negatively impacted if i just ran in and mashed the button and just did combos yeah but it really was made when everything is on time when to the beat time it yep mm-hmm. absolutely i've been enjoying it too on my pc and, and i think like uh, with this and metal helsinger it's been like this revelation of cool rhythm games implementing rhythm in action titles instead of just being either kind of guitar hero or some slightly weeby stuff from Japan, it, it, it's been these cool implementations of rhythm mechanics in action games. And I, it's so exciting to see. And to be able to play it that day was awesome. Sean, 100%. have you dived in yet? I haven't yet. Um, it's on my Xbox, ready to go, but I just have not 
had the time because I was playing a bunch of other games over the weekend. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I will get there eventually. Um, what did you think about the shadow exactly drop, though? Look, I, like, I I did like how right from the beginning, they're like, hopefully this hasn't leaked yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the leaking game is, is strong these days. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, things like that, it, makes people excited i suppose to look forward to these things you know because of the chance that they're going to find out oh this game blah 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 is coming today or now or whatever um you know and i suppose in a way it also it's a testament to the belief of how good you'll get the developers how much the developers think the game is well done that they can do a shadow drop they don't need to build it up with PR and hype trailers and all of that stuff. They're just like, yep, here it is. Enjoy. Um, and it works. And at that. Yeah. Well, I did watch an interview with Phil Spencer on IGN after this event, and he talked that was wholly Tango Gameworks' decision. They, they said, you know, did you want to show it off at the Video Game Awards? That was an actual question. Uh, and they, they said, no, we, we want to do it. Because they knew about the developer director, obviously, a long time ago. And they said, mm. we, no, we want to do it. And we just want to launch it straight into Game Pass. And, uh, and, and Phil was like, sure, you guys want to do that? Let's do it. And, and it seems to have paid off because I haven't heard a single bad thing about this game at all. Uh, except for some weirdo on the web that's going ooh it's only six hours but you know that's just yeah uh, <laughs> there's, always those there's always those dickheads and apparently it's about 13 hours actually so you know but anyway uh, <laughs> that's the only guy I've seen complaining about it and I think I think it was such a cool move especially from Tango Gameworks to go uh, this is something we're really not known for so we're just going to throw it out there and hope you guys enjoy it and, and it's mm. just warming to see everyone going yeah this is fantastic this is great guys you've you've done really well and it's it's a and, real um, good news story right yeah well I, I was happy for that young bloke developer that was presenting the game because it seemed to be a lot of his ideas were in the well, game and then i kind of when i'm playing it i'm like this protagonist is almost like his avatar like yeah. this this guy's projecting himself in the game and it's been such a good response and and i just yeah i love a win for a good developer and a sincere developer so he actually directed evil within two um Ooh. so and which is the better of the two uh so um shinji mikami i think is, is the lead developer at tango gameworks he used to work yes. on resident evil um uh, uh, he did obviously the Evil Within one and Ghostwire Tokyo, so they seem to have two teams running, with one with this fellow in charge and one uh, doing other stuff. So it was really cool to see that, that they just said, "Yeah, go nuts! This is out of our wheelhouse, but we reckon we can nail it." And yeah, super happy. Really I'm happy. on board for the rhythm resurgence that is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was Crypt of the Necrodancer was the, mm. I'm not saying it was the first, but it was the first one that stuck with me as like, oh, okay, rhythm, but but not. That action, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I'm, I'm under no NDA, but I had a survey that I filled out. Mm. And again, no NDA, but I was asked, what would you, like, would you enjoy it if these mechanics were implemented in Fortnite? So I got asked, what if everything was bopping to the beat yeah. in Fortnite, the scenery? And I think that'd be a cool move, even if it was just for one season or an event. I think that's a cool idea. It's probably an event sort of thing, I think. Would be yeah, probably. 
because that well, they've always got musicians. That visual up. design in 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 Hi-Fi Rush, the way the world moves with the beat is it's all designed to make you stay in the beat that much easier. And it's like if there's one criticism of Metal Hellsinger is that if you lose the beat, there's no visual cues apart from the little meter at the bottom to help you get back into it. Whereas yeah. everything in Hi-Fi Rush is designed around being on the beat, even from from him clicking constantly so you've always got that representation of the beat and then from the buildings moving and the lava jumping and the rocks everything is in time and it's so very cool uh and and it makes it so accessible for even people that struggle to keep a beat yeah absolutely when i was uh playing uh for player two and recording and i came up to just a puzzle where the platform moved really quickly and then i just wasn't thinking and i just jumped and then i went you dumb dumb it like just wait for your timing and i got it the next try straight away but yeah. it was just yeah it was a funny moment awesome all right we might move on to the next game which is elder scrolls online necron we won't spend a lot of time on this because that's it's a hard one right like it's a big mmo uh if you play it you play it if you don't you don't uh do any of you guys play ESO? I've played in the past. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, when it first came out, I played through the vanilla campaign. I've tried to jump back into it a couple of times, but just, I don't know, just end up playing for a little bit, then falling off the wagon and, you know, then trying to pick it up later again down the track. Just, yeah. What about you? No, I agree. I, I don't know if I'll ever have time for an MMO. I um I really wish I did. The last MMO that I really sunk my time into was actually um the DC online game on PlayStation 3. Oh, um yeah. I, I remember that. Yep. I, I loved. I absolutely loved it. But um Elder Scrolls Online, if I can just summarize right now where I'm at, it's a great game. It's mm. fun. Don't you is it you buy the game and you get access to certain things. Like it seems to be a bit more accessible than it is very other generous. Um, yes. So essentially, you buy the base game, and generally, what that is is every expansion up until the last one. Um, yeah. So whenever you buy it, uh, you get all the expansions previously, except for the most recent. So at this point, you'd get everything up to Greymore, which is the Skyrim setting. Um, yep. and then after that there's the High Isles which is in Brent, Brenton and now Necrom which they've announced uh, recently so you, you'd get like that's like 10 chapters of this game and as someone that's played quite a bit of ESO and I still wish I had more time to play it because it's really my type of MMO in the fact that you can play it by yourself and be perfectly content um, yes <laughs> which is really cool I don't have time to be in guilds I don't have time to do raids uh, but I do have, they have really great world events where if you're just running around the world and, you know, kind of like in Destiny where you have world events, um, mm -hmm. they have those, you know, a big whopping big vampire will turn up. So everyone in the area runs to it automatically. And that's one of this cool event that's, that's just flying around there or a dragon turns up in, in, in Skyrim. Um, that sort of stuff is very cool way to interact with other people. But otherwise I'm just happy cruising, doing the stories. They're, they're, they're good. It's, it's much more like Skyrim than it is World of Warcraft, I guess, is you yes. know, um, in the way it's implemented, which is my jam, absolutely, because I just don't have time to do the, the MMO stuff. And I wish I had more time to explore the rest of these stories. And I will absolutely get Necrom. 
Um, I will hit up PR for that and I will play it with the, every intent to seeing the end and probably won't because I'll run out of time. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I do like ESO and I think if people have been burned by MMOs in the past because of that reliance on actually having to have time to schedule raids and, and things like that, I think ESO is your place to start. Um, I think it's very good as a single player and, and that being on Game Pass obviously is, uh, is also a benefit that um, takes some of that initial cost out and there's no subscription. You don't have to buy any yeah. monthly sub. Uh, there is one if you'd like which gives you extra resources and and it's kind of all the, I guess, cosmetic sort of shit. You know, if you want a house and you want to deck that house out with furniture and, and live in that house then that's the sort of stuff you get or a new pet or a new mount or you know those sort of things whereas it's totally unnecessary you don't need any of that stuff to play it you can just dive in with with the base game and go nuts yeah so you listener who is starting skyrim for the 13th time Mm. just give it a break and check it out because yeah no it absolutely it's well worth trying if you are an elder scrolls fan full stop you don't have to be an mmo guy because yeah, I, I played through with friends, never get on with my friends, and then I went straight back to being a stealth archer and had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, a, I'm a, uh, a bard with a bear. I'm a nature nature bard, and I've got a bear, <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> we actually did an event for PR last year, for the, the and we got um, a whole, uh, four of us together to run through one of the latest dungeons. And three of the four of us turned up as bards with bears. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, that is funny. <laughs> we had no tanks. We had no healers. We were just bards with bears. So, <laughs> all right then. Now the big one, I guess. This is probably the one that everyone wanted to get a real good look at because this kind of there was kind of this feeling that it was a Left for Dead clone. Um, I kind of never felt that being Arcane. That felt too simple for Arcane. They've, they've never never taken an easy route they've never taken a i'm not saying that building that game is easy but you know they've never uh done things as expected i guess and it turns out it's it really is much more i think like vampire borderlands or even far cry than it is uh left for dead sort of game what did you guys think of redfall i think yeah i think it's it's got a lot to talk about i'm down for it you um uh, well, after watching that stuff from the conference, yeah, um, yeah, I I had I knew nothing about it going into it. I um, didn't even realize it was coming. Um, but then watching that video, I'm like, yeah, I'll give this a go. Mm. You know, um, Arcane is known for like that, that you know mixing that supernatural. Um, supernatural elements into the combat like you know the the use of abilities and powers and stuff um just like you know Deathloop um and um the Dishonored franchise and whatever so seeing that sort of stuff on in a modern based shooter um I think it'd be really cool and yeah it's something I want to have a crack at when the time comes and you know especially being able to co-op it as well as just play it solo um yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to it now to have a crack and see what it's like what about you nick uh yeah i initially probably disrespected this game and that i was like oh okay it's not quite what i was after and it did look like just uh left for dead vampires 
at first glance. Mm. But it was silly of me to think that because, yeah, they, they, um, they, Arcane never really tread too closely to anyone else with what they're doing. Mm. And there is always something about every single one of their games you think you know, and then you really, you play it and you find out something else completely. And as someone who poo-pooed on uh, Dishonored, when it first came out, I was like, yeah, it's not for me. Like, I just will shove someone off a cliff. I get that you want to drop barrels on them telekinetically and then teleport behind <laughs> them and then be invisible. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but I still go back to Deathloop and I still mm. hunt other players and invade their games in Deathloop. And I just love Deathloop. So when I saw actual gameplay of Redfall, it wasn't so much that I was thinking, oh, do I need to get like the old clan together from my Call of Duty days, the guys that are still hardcore shooters. What I was thinking was my regular casual friends that I'm playing games with every now and then, like my fiance and I are just slowly working through Far Cry 6 and she's yep. just loving it. And we just chip away at it. This is a game that's going to appeal to her. And the narrative was ever present, I guess I'd say. Like it seemed to be there was so much dialogue. There was so much storytelling, even just in the casual exploration side of the game. Yep. That if Arcane make a good story, which I'm assuming they will, it's going to be a great experience for that. And hopefully show other developers, like, you know, I'm driving from one place to the other in Far Cry and nothing's happening. Nothing's happening, yeah, yeah. It might set a new standard, which is very exciting. Yeah, I, I think the first thing I thought of was immediately uh, my Borderlands 2 days. Like, playing with four friends, just tooling around, having a good time. Now... I expect more of a story out of Arcane than I do out of Gearbox. You know, they've built that expectation up, and I, I think it will. Obviously, there's a lot of lore to, to track down, and you know, vampires are a fun subject to play with. I think at any point, uh, with with a capable team of writers, I think there's there's a lot to to, to plunder there and make a good story out of. Um, so I like the idea of this kind of Borderlands experience with you know. RPG elements and with you know crafting and things like that along with this kind of four player shooter that can also be played perfectly fine by yourself when your mates aren't around and how that co-op experience uh, integrates with each other will be very interesting to me like progression and things like that how that'll play out when you play with others uh, I think that's an important thing they need to get right um, but otherwise I'm super excited for it because I'm a big Arcane fan. I loved Dishonored series. I loved uh, Prey. I think Prey's only problem was that it was about three hours too long. Uh, but otherwise... I thought its only problem was that it was called Prey, to be honest. Yeah, on, it shouldn't have been yeah. called Prey. It yeah. could have been called anything. It wasn't the Prey you, you played back on the 360, obviously. But it was a, a wonderfully moody creepy experience that was really cool and it just it probably dragged on a little bit towards the end and things kind of got a bit over the top there but otherwise like it's a very minor problem with it and then uh Deathloop I gave it I think an A in our review I reviewed it on the PlayStation and and honestly it was just such a a wonderful reinvention of the roguelike genre uh that that you know, as a genre that's been well done over the last few years and, mm-hmm. and to make it fresh again. So I was always positive on Redfall. I, I'd never got the negativity. I think Arcane deserve our trust. And from that showing, I, I feel like, yeah, they're on the right path. Yeah, I think a lot of the initial complaints of the game just came from a certain um, 
a certain type of person that just like lurks on the internet waiting for a not white guy to be the protagonist of <laughs> a game they want to play and complain about it. Um, and I don't think that they really impact a game as much as they would like. No, no. Funny that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I like the cast of characters. I, I really liked the uh, intro video we saw initially when they first announced it. Um, it set up the kind of uh, the kind of feel of the game very well, I think. You know, there's obviously the there's a bit of Buffy sort of vibe going on. I was going to say, yeah, you know, and that's cool. All right, you know, it's been yeah. a long time since Buffy. It's time to get back in that uh, that region. No, and it's it's funny because even if there is some moments that it becomes almost a survival horror experience, if there's a quite gory bit or a graphic bit, and and you get that that tension, that fear. That's great. This, for me, being, you know, like vampires were my jam as a kid. Mm. You it, you have to try to not make them interesting. Because um, you've got like the, in a, even Interview with a Vampire, the, the movie where they're all sitting around depressed. They're still entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got What We Do in the Shadows. It's one of the greatest TV shows of the last 10 years easily. It is so good. So, yeah, I don't, I don't care how they do it, but I was very delighted to see this feels like it's going to be Buffy vibes. Yeah, it really does that kind of group dynamic with smart, quippy sort of dialogue and 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 fun and games. There, I think, I think, I think it's going to be very good. The shooting mechanics will obviously have to be on point, and the um, you know, the use of powers that'll have to be balanced well. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I trust Arcane to get that stuff right. They've been doing it for years, so I think I think we're well on the way of uh, seeing Xbox's kind of first big hit from the Bethesda purchase. All right, we might leave it there. That's been the Xbox conference. Overall, I really enjoyed my time with it. I think it's a smart move from Xbox to take this format. I'd like to see it every quarter from them. I think they've done not a great job in communication uh, recently, and so it'd be good to see this become a regular feature. What do you guys feel about and how Xbox are, are doing things at the moment, and do you think this is the right way forward? Sure. Um- I I definitely think it's a good thing having this, you know, this conference, like um, this developer direct. It's cheaper than doing your big stadium or like, you know, presentation thing with an audience and whatever. It can be released whenever they want. Um, so they can have multiple things of these throughout the year and just give that steady trickle. Um like you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they um, they do what Bethesda did um, when they did the reveal the reveal of Elder Scrolls Six. Mm. They showed bugger all except for, you know a landscape and the logo and said, "Yeah, this is confirming that we're working on it." You'll find out more when it, when it's time. When it's time, you yeah. know. Um, but it's more just saying, "Yes, we're we're doing that." They could, you know possibly in the next one or later later on in the year you know we might just get a you know explosion some gunfire then the gears of war logo pops up you know and it's like that's the signal of it's it's in development but we don't have anything to show you yet but it's still news um especially as one of their first party titles Mm. you know it, it at least lets people know that yep this is what's coming eventually Nick, what do you think? Um, I th- I think that I can be 
uh, an Xbox fanboy that I leave the blinders on sometimes. Yeah. And I, when you look back and, and you take a step back and people say, yeah, but this happened and that happened. Um, things like Halo Infinite just didn't go down well. Multiple problems. And now we're left with a game that's largely forgotten. I think that there should be more transparency from Xbox moving forward. This kind of, we've announced it, we're working on it thing is great. Um, I'm just trying to think of, only recently I got really excited for um, the team from the Outer Worlds or whatever it was. Yeah. Like they, they they did a anything you can do, we can do better. They did it with Fallout with the Outer Worlds. And then they announced um, they're working on a Pathfinder RPG within that universe. And then you don't hear anything for like a year and you Google it and you get these kind of, and, and no offense, but like these a lot of these smaller websites that are just trying to make a name for themselves for writing yeah write anything and they're saying oh apparently it's in trouble it's in trouble guys. yeah yeah how do you know we don't we don't know anything so i just (laughs) my uncle works for obsidian (laughs) (laughs) but no i just i like the transparency and i like the we saw multiple levels of games in multiple levels of uh their development one game is finished and we could play it and it was great so i think this has been a good move and then we got april and may release dates which is not far like the way this year is going it's already february for god's sake um so yeah it's not far down the road and we're going to get some of these and then uh obviously they promised a starfield presentation uh a little bit further down the track because they want to you know that's going to be big and they really want it to be big so Hopefully they nail that one. But yeah, I like the more transparent view. I think they've done enough of announcing early games. Now they've got to deliver. Like, we know Fable's coming. We know Perfect Dark is coming. We know Gear 6 is coming. Yeah. Uh, but we need to, you know, see some of that. Because other, at the moment, they've lost a lot of trust after last year. And and I find it hard to be too critical. I've always said, you know, a delay is better than a shit game. Um, yep. uh it just happened to all hit them last year, which is really unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, I, I think now that that excuse is going to wear thin pretty quickly at this point. So it's it's time to, to put some games up. Um, if I can, one uh, game that was announced and they said, we have nothing. This is the logo. That's it. And then it was the next trailer was very um, basic renderings of their character models, not even po- like polished at all was Skate. The new yes. skate game that's coming out. Yeah. And it, it had a sense of humor about like, look guys, we're making it. Okay. You, you win. We're making one. Okay. Yeah. We don't have anything. We've just got a logo. And I was like, okay, cool. And then the next trailer I saw was, yes, we're working with skateboarders. No, you can't see any of it. And I just, I, <laughs> okay. Like yeah. you're keeping me interested. The, Keep doing this. You could tweet it. It's fine. The Outer Worlds 2 trailer was one of the best pieces of marketing I've ever seen. If you haven't seen that trailer, go and look at the Outer Worlds 2 announcement trailer. It is hilarious. It's just a voiceover essentially going, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. We have nothing to show you. And that's, you know, (laughs) that real tongue-in-cheek obsidian sense of humor that, you know, has been there since they made Fallout way back when. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that sort of thing is very cool too. But there has to be some point where you've got to see it, you know. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we might leave it there. Nick, where can we find you on the World Wide Weird Web? Well, you can find me on Twitter and I have an Instagram and I have a Twitch and everything is varied. I'm, I'm putting my best Call of Duty moments or my best gameplay moments on my Instagram, but I also have my own 
anything happens YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash nickbait. But all my more professional things are, of course, with you guys at player2.net.au. And we love to have you. Sean, what about you? Where can we find snoring videos of you from the Player 2 Charity Marathon? Sleeping <laughs> uh, streams sure on Twitch. I'm, sh- I'm sure that will be tweeted out on the uh, official Player 2 Twitter, <laughs> you know, before the end of the week. Um, but look, yes, um, unlike Nick, I don't have the time to make anything just for myself personally. Um, so everything that I do is uh, via player two uh whether that's uh on the website or on the youtube channel um if you do want to see any of my sporadic random tweets it is uh sean hub p2 and um yeah that's it and your latest review uh one piece odyssey is up on the website right now uh go check that out and for me you can find everything i do obviously at player 2 au you can follow me on twitter at huso81 i just wanted to briefly say thank you to everyone that donated during the player 2 charity marathon we are currently sitting at five thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars raised uh that's our biggest total by a good five hundred dollars out of the five we've done uh and i expect that to go up as a few more donations come in as this podcast go live goes live you will have a little bit of time to donate and still be in the entry to win an xbox series x with a whole bunch of games a playstation 4 limited edition that is uh ridiculously limited actually it's the 500 million limited edition so they're very hard to get and selling for stupid amounts on ebay and then a whole bunch of pc prizes and switch prizes as well so don't be afraid to donate the links are on the website Uh, but thank you for everyone that did donate thank you to all the games pr uh that donated prizes it was an enormous amount of prizes and also thank you to sean and 